All right, so what I'm going to be talking about today is going to be a three-part series. I'm going to just talk about part one today. Um, it's going to be called The Pit. But before I start, quick question. Do you guys remember your dreams when you guys wake up in the morning, like the next day? If you, go, if you do remember your dreams in the morning or the next day, raise your hand for me. It's quite a lot of you. Impressive, because for some reason, a lot of people don't remember their dreams and that's okay because, you know, that's not bad. Um, but I tend to have a lot of, like, crazy dreams. And they can be really, um, like, there's this thing called where you can control what you're, like, what you're doing in a dream. And I think it's called lucid dreaming. Um, when I, I find, I'm, like, super fascinated about dreams. And, but today I'm not going to be talking about the literal dreams that you're going to be dreaming at nighttime. But both the literal and the metaphorical. And I'm going to be talking about the story of Joseph. If you guys know the story of Joseph, he has a great story. It's kind of long, but it's like a big turn of event kind of story. I'm going to start on the beginning of his story. Um, do you guys know who Joseph is in the Bible? It's of course, so yeah, I like that. Um, so he's a, like, uh, there's, he's a son of Jacob. But he's like the 11th, he's one of 12 children. So there's a whole bunch of kids that, you know, at that time that's pretty normal. But he is also his father's favorite. And you already know how that goes. I don't know if you guys have a lot of siblings and you can tell when your parents kind of have a favorite child in the family. Is there anybody there who kind of notices that your mom or dad might have a favorite child? That's all. That's not something good that our parents should be doing, um, but it does happen, and it's not like God doesn't want you to have a favorite because, um, you know, your children notice that. Um, so Joseph is 17 years old, and he is Jacob's favorite son because he was born at Jacob's old age, um, and Jacob ended up making Joseph a ornate robe which means like it's like super complex it's super like you, you can see somebody walking by and you'll like catch it'll, you it'll catch your eye immediately I have a picture if you can um, put it up there it's gonna be a really colorful robe it has um like an example of what the robe that he gave his son it's like super colorful and he out of all the children he was the only one who got a robe and you can I, I don't know if you can imagine that but like if you're in like let's say a family dinner and your dad or your mom comes and brings a gift to only one person out of 12. Like, I don't know how you would feel, but I'd be like, wow, like, where's my gift? Where's my cool robe? Where's my cool, um, I don't know, maybe jewelry or something? So his brothers, they noticed that and they got jealous. In verse 4, Joseph's brothers noticed that favoritism that Jacob had towards him. And they grew so much hate towards Joseph that they started to become mean to him. In verse 5, Joseph has this dream from God. And he shares it with his brothers. And the dream is, we were binding sheaves, which means collecting grains and like binding, which is tying them together, um, out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Of course, I don't know if you kind of get what he was saying here, but he was basically saying that 
you guys are going to bow down to me. Um, and the brothers are going to, they, when they heard that, they're like, do you really think we're going to do that to you? Like, how, why, why would we even do that? Um, sheaves, just in case, it means just to collect as well. So his brothers literally said, you think you will actually rule over us? Like, who do you think you are? You're not going to get anything further than us. And his brothers hated him even more. Then Joseph had a second dream. He said, listen, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And he shared this time, he shared this dream with his father as well. And his father was like, I rebuke you for having that dream. Like, what, could, what does that dream even mean? Like, how can the sun and the moon and the stars bow down to you? You're, you know, you're a human, you're here, you're flesh, you're present. Um, I wasn't born from, you know, you weren't born in a palace. Like, how are you going to have that rule and authority over even stars and the moon or people? And just in case you don't know what rebuke means, it means basically um, to cast out like demons on people. That's what rebuking would be used for. So this brings me to my first point. A dream that can't be tested is a dream that can't be trusted. So basically if God places a dream in your heart and if there's no growth, there's no fruit, there's no movement coming from that dream, then it's probably not a dream that's coming from God. Or at least it's not a dream that, it might be a dream that you desire more than what the plans God has to use in that dream that will be coming from. But every dream needs to be developed. So right now we're just talking about the beginning of Joseph and like, I can't even go further into his story because there's just so much that happens throughout this whole story of Joseph that I'm leaving you guys literally in the beginning, um, like a preview, kind of introduction to his life. It was hard back then to get like a picture uh, developed because it was um, an insane process to set it up. You have to take it to a dark room, you have to get it developed, and then you have to frame it, and then that's when you can hang it on the wall. And for pictures, it takes, you know, a lot of time to develop. And in the same way, it takes God time for his plan and his process to develop in us. So once again, his brothers are even more jealous now that he has this second dream that supposedly, let's say, is coming from God. Supposedly, he has the power to have everyone bow down to him. His brothers, in verse 12, Jacob says to his son, you know your brothers are working out on the field. So go ahead and get ready and I'm going to take you to them. And it's in, he's going to be in, the, in this valley of Huram going to Shechem, 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 Shechem. In verse 15, um, on his way, Joseph is already on his way to meet his brothers in this field. And there's a guy who sees Joseph just wandering around and looking for his brothers. And he, this random guy asks, who are you looking for? And Joseph says, I'm looking for my brothers. Do you know where they are? And the man says, 
I do. Um, well, they were just here, but they just finished here. They moved on to a different, like, part of the city, Valley. He said he, said he heard his brothers say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went on his way, and his brothers noticed him approaching them. And I don't think this, ha this hasn't happened to me, and I hope it doesn't happen to you. But the crazy thing is, as his brothers were watching his Joseph approach them in the field, they start talking amongst themselves, and they're like, let's plan to kill him. Kill their brother. This is how jealous they were. They wanted to kill his brother Joseph. They say, here comes the dreamer, because, you know, who's going to believe a crazy dream? Um, especially if you have already all that hate from the beginning towards someone, you're obviously going to react, like, even more negative and more angered towards someone. And this kind of reminds me of not necessarily a dream, but there was a moment where um, I think it was in school for me. Like, I, my goal was always to be on top of my game, have good grades, and obey and, um, like, surrender to the authorities of the teachers and all of, all of those people. So when people sometimes would come, I would come into this classroom, they're like, oh, here comes the goody two-shoes, or oh, here comes Daisy who always does her homework, or here comes Daisy who doesn't let you cheat off her test, because I didn't like doing that either. <laughs> but I'm going to admit, like, of course, Maybe once or twice I, I let it slide. Someone, like, you know, help them out. But, you know, I would experience that. And it doesn't feel like it feels like even being something good, it just felt horrible. Because <laughs> it's like, wow, like, I'm, I'm doing what's right, but people are hating on me. People are, like, talking down on me. So the dream that God gives us, for the future, it must endure the tests that we go through day by day. God laid out the final destinations, but he didn't give Joseph the journey. See, because it's only part one, you don't know, well, maybe if you read Genesis, the rest of Genesis, it'll be Genesis um, chapter 37. Um, but when you guys find out what Joseph was brought up to in the end, like, I don't think he expected his final destination to be um, starting off from the journey where he was. Uh, Joseph's family rejected his dreams, which is a major characteristic of a dreamer, that your dream will threaten people. Your dream is going to be out of the blue. It could be crazy in some people's heads, but hey, if it's a dream from God... You can forget it and, like, ignore the comments of everybody else because, in reality, they're kind of not worth your time when your dream is from God and that you're moving step by step to his journey. So, later on in the verse 20, um, one of the brothers says, I'm pretty sure full of anger, full of hate, full of emotion. Let's kill him and throw him in a cistern. And if you don't know what that is, that's basically uh, like a hole. Um, I also have a picture. Um, it's like a stone hole. It just stores water or rainwater. And then the brother says, and let's throw him in there and claim that a ferocious animal devoured him. And then we can see if his dreams really do come true, even if he dies or let's see if the dreams die with him because they're just dreams. And... Yeah, there's the picture. 
Um, so one of the brothers heard that these two brothers were planning to kill Joseph, and he tried, he has a secret plan to rescue Joseph and bring him back to his family, bring him back to his dad. He says, we shouldn't really take his life. Don't hurt him. Don't scratch him. Don't you dare touch him. Don't even shed any blood. Let's just throw him into the cistern and here in the, like in the middle of the wilderness and don't lay hands on him. And because, you know, his goal was to bring Jacob, I mean, Joseph back to Jacob. So then they agreed. Somehow he convinced them and they're like, okay, you're right. And they strip Joseph from his robe. And I forgot to mention in the beginning, this robe is kind of like gives Joseph an extra identity. Um, it was because it was a gift, you know, it set him apart from everyone else. And clearly God has set him apart um, with that robe as well. From the very beginning, um, it was very important to um, Jacob because he cared so much and loved so much for Joseph that he gave that to him. So the brothers weren't actually finished with Joseph. There's another picture um, where the brothers are stripping away from the stripping the robe away from him kind of ripping off a little piece of his identity and throwing him into the cistern um, they weren't really finished they didn't want to just leave Joseph in the cistern they after they threw him in there they took a break they were eating a meal and then they saw these Ishmaelites who were like descendants of Ishmael um, the eldest son of Abraham, um, who were coming around. They were just walking around, probably on their way. They were on their way to Egypt. So they were carrying a whole bunch of goods. They were carrying anointing spices, rare perfumes, mirth, which is like used for anointing. And one of the brothers, his name is Judah, he was being smart. He said, what will we gain if we kill our brother or cover up his blood? And his brothers agreed. As the merchants or these Ishmaelites came by, their brothers pulled Joseph out of that cistern and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, which is like nowadays, it could, well, back then it would be like a five to six weeks worth of their, like, what they would earn back in the day. Five to six weeks. And then they were taking the Ishmaelites were on their way, so they bought him, and they took him to Egypt. Reuben, the nice brother, the one who wanted to save his brother and bring him back to his dad, he went back to the cistern because, you know, his plan was to pull him out, and then when his brothers leave to bring him back to um, his dad, he noticed that they're gone, and, I mean, that they're gone and that Joseph was missing, and he got so upset that he tore his clothes. He asked, where is my brother? Like, wh what the heck? What happened to him? Like, I thought we all agreed on this decision. And the brothers, they took Joseph's robe. They dipped it in a slaughtered goat's blood to kind of bring proof to his dad. that, like, hey, Joseph is dead. But they didn't say anything to, Joseph, to his dad. They bring it back to his dad dad and there's they literally just say we found this check to see if it's your sons and I just want to little emphasize a little bit here because they couldn't even say hey check to see if this is Joseph 
hey, check to see if this is our brother. They straight up said, hey, check to see if this is your son. And this is just emphasizes how much distance there was between Joseph and the brothers who hated him. And like all the hate that they had towards Joseph just for these dreams and because he was a favorite. They didn't even say... Um, Sorry, I already said that. Um, so Jacob, he looked at the robe, and he recognized that it was his son's Joseph's. He even believed the lie or the fact that a ferocious animal devoured his son and tore him to pieces. Because it, I don't know if, not to bring any darkness, but an example, um, you know, when people are serving in the army or in the military and then they get that unfortunate news uh, that knock on their door saying that their son, their daughter passed away in the war. They bring them that to represent, you know, their service. They give them that flag, their USA flag. And obviously no one wants to hear that kind of news. And I can imagine being in the father's position where he literally receives proof of blood of Joseph on his robe. Like nobody else has this robe. So Jacob tore his clothes as well, and he put on sackcloth, which is kind of, um, it looks kind of like a bag of potato, like the old-time bag of potatoes that are, like, uh, brownish, and they're, like, really, like, rough. Um, back then, they used this kind of cloth to put on for mourning, like mourning someone's death, mourning someone who passed away. And Joseph mourned for many days. All his sons and daughters, they notice that, his, that their dad is crying and, and sad. So they come to comfort him. But Jacob didn't want their comfort because he was so hurt. He was so in so much pain. Um, he didn't even want their support, their comfort, their hugs, their loves. He wanted it to just be in his pain and despair for his son, his favorite son. He even said straight up, no. I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. Basically saying, I'm going to cry till I die and, like, you know, come to my deathbed just like Joseph did. So he cried, he cried, and he cried so much for Joseph. This kind of brings me to my third point. Rejection is God's direction. Man can rob you of your coat, but no one can rob you of your calling. The coat was a sign of God's favor on him, a physical expression used through Jacob uh, of God's dream in his spirit, and it was ripped from him as if it never existed. Man can rob you of your position, but not what you are called to do. And in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, this was my favorite verse when I was going through this. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for all, all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. God uses even the worst experiences in your life to bring light and use you and just have his name glorified and bring you out of the darkness as well. I have gone through so many experiences um, out of like, you know, 
Let's say, for example, coming to speak today, I had so many things come in my way that were just distractions and challenges um, that were like preventing me from coming. And I was even tempted to talk to Pastor Jonathan and be like, hey, Pastor Jonathan, um, can we reschedule my my night of speaking for another day, maybe another month? Because, but then I was like, no, like that's the that's the enemy trying to pull me away from doing what God has called me to do, just speak his word. So what God does in you, he will finish through you. He's not going to be begin something that's not that he's not going to finish. So he who begins a good work, well, this is Philippines, Philippines verse 1, chapter 6. It says, he who began a good work and you will carry it on to completion. You can't even finish what God started. So we have to trust in Jesus to be who he is, to be the author and to be the finisher. That's something kind of hard for me to um, accept as well because I, you know, we tend to compare ourselves to other people and I do that a lot. And I'll see like people, you know, graduating from college or people starting a great career. And then I'm like, God, when is that going to happen to me? Um, I'm still here in my general like beginning classes of college. Like when am I going to be a step closer to what you um, have promised or to what you have set for me? what your plans are. So we can't let our impatience and fear get in the way. We just have to grasp onto Jesus and look up to him. In Hebrews 12, 2, the verse says, look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In the end of the, when, okay, so when the brothers sold Joseph, do you guys, like, what, what, I wonder what would happen, what happens to Joseph now? Because right now, this is where we end um, the first part of this series. But we, we should wonder, what happens to Joseph now? He's gone in Egypt. He's with these random people who he got sold to. But the Mishalites sell Joseph as well. They sell him to this guy who's like, um a captain of the guard. He's uh, like one of the Pharaoh's like high officials. His name is Potiphar. So Joseph doesn't get, not only does he get thrown into the cistern, not only does he get like a fake um, death, not only does he get sold, he gets sold twice. And like, I don't know if this happens to you guys, but when things happen to you, like left and right, like you're getting slapped in the face, like one thing happened and another thing happens and another thing happens, like how can you even see the dream, the journey, the thing that God promises you? How can you even see that come to place when you're just getting like drowned in a whole bunch of problems and challenges? But this is where we have to cling on God and remember that he is going to finish what he has started in us. He is going to move no matter what doesn't move. We have to be confident that he who began a good work will carry us through and complete it until the day that Jesus Christ comes. 
So if you didn't receive anything <laughs> that I, or like out of everything of the story that I mentioned, what you, should, what you should take with you is to hold on to the dream that God gives you. Even if those closest to you reject you, look bad on you. And like the whole point of this is just to bring back life to the dreams that you kind of been putting off, leaving there to the side to collect dust because God wants you to come with a new vision of the dreams that he has placed in your heart. So I want to challenge you guys just to dream bigger. And I, we will see maybe if I move on to part two or part three, but like I said, the story of Joseph, it's pretty, it's, there's a lot that goes on to, with this guy. Um, but I will end with this. Cling on to God, because if you cling on to people, you're setting yourself up for failure. Because we as humans, we as people, we tend to be, we can mess up. Like that's in our blood, that's in our flesh. We are not perfect, but Jesus, God is perfect. So why not cling on to something or someone who is as stable as a rock, as strong as nothing that compares. So we must cling on to God and just trust and keep our hope in him because if without him, we won't get through anything. So I'm going to do a quick little prayer and then I'll transfer on to Pastor Jonathan. Uh, thank you, Heavenly Father, for this wonderful night, God. Thank you so much for this opportunity to speak onto all of the ones who are here, God, and those who didn't make it, God. I pray that they receive just your encounters tonight. It doesn't even have to be at church, God, but they have an encounter with you. Thank you so much for every single person that made it here, God, and I pray that you just fill their hearts with love, your love, Father God. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Awesome.